0: This is Talent Everywhere for August 2017, Build Their Judgment, Part 3. Open the door.
1: Welcome to the Talent Everywhere podcast, for leaders building high-performing teams in our fast-changing world. Here are your hosts, Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hi,
0: Gihan. How are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? Um I'm well thanks and I'm just wondering it's I think you've celebrated a landmark birthday since we last spoke so I'm wondering if you're feeling older and wiser.
1: Uh, yes yes that's right I was 40 um 10 years ago. <laughs> exactly 10 years and 3 weeks ago. <laughs> So yes, yeah, so no, I'm not not necessarily feeling any older, but um, but it's good. It is a landmark birthday, I think, and uh, of course uh, there's a lot of people this year that we know who are celebrating fiftieths, uh, celebrating or commiserating their 50th. That's so right. um, I'm in the middle of the year, so I think I'm kind of half halfway through, you're, you're one of the young, young ones. I'm the young,
0: yeah, the young sesquicent, no, sorry, semi-centarian or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Well, when you're 50, you'll know what the word is. <laughs> yes, I will. I'll be wise enough by then. <laughs> exactly.
0: Speaking of wisdom, Gihan, this is uh, part three in our series on building judgment in team members. And we've used this metaphor. So we've, it's a three-part series. And in the first one, it was break down the walls. Part two was raise the roof. And today we're going to open the door. And Break Down the Walls helps our team members understand how their role fits in with the rest of the team and the organisation, even the outside world. With Raise the Roof, we exposed our team members to higher roles so they got a bigger picture beyond their regular work. And today with Open the Door, we're going to give our team members a
1: chance to speak up
0: and be heard both inside and outside the organisation.
1: Yes. So far, we've talked about breaking down the walls and raising the roof for your team members, and a lot of that's passive. It's not necessarily active. It's giving them the chance to understand a little bit about what's happening in uh, outside the team, so in the rest of the organization, and kind of being a passive observer. Um, it, of course, it's never be completely passive because you might have asked for their input already. But now we're going to look at proactively uh, getting them involved. So it's, we're just saying it's not just in, it's not enough to just sit on the sidelines and watch watch If you want real judgment, and you want to build that judgment in team members, it comes from experience. So actually, getting them to do stuff, um, and if you if you really want them to learn, you've got to give them the chance to do things, even if there's a risk that they'll make mistakes. Uh, uh, and you've done the best that you can so far uh, by minimising the risk, because they've had the chance to sit back to observe to learn. But now you give them the chance to shine and actually actively take part. And before we get into the, the individual things we're talking about here, um, I, I would suggest that you should be doing this r- earlier rather than later, so sooner rather than later, because you probably find that your team members are already competent in taking part and uh, many leaders wait too long to actually give them the chance to, you know, uh, open the door and go out into the real world and do stuff uh, where actually you should do that sooner rather than later. But that said, even if you haven't done it yet, now is the time to start. And, and the other thing about this is, of course, because we're talking about distributed team members, that's even more important. I, I think there's a, there's a tendency for leaders and managers to think that the distributed team members need more supervision. They need more just told what to do um, than the people who are in the office. But remember, we're specifically talking today about uh, uh, about your distributed team members and opening doors for them. So, again, give them chances to proactively be involved and make decisions.
0: Great. Yep. So one of the simple things that you can do is to ask your team members for their advice, their comments, their suggestions, because you've given them uh, an overview of the big picture of the organisation. So you can tap into that and ask them for how things can be improved or enhanced. The thing is that they've, they've got a fresh outlook, they're a new pair of eyes, so that kind of insight is really valuable and it's more than just um, asking them for their advice. You have to be willing to act on it. So if you adopt the attitude that you will act, um, unless there are strong reasons for not doing it, and and in those cases, explain your reasons, but um, if you develop the habit of acting on their advice, then um, that's going to encourage them in future to speak out because they see that you value and appreciate uh, the feedback that they're giving you. Now, when it comes to remote workers in distributed teams, it's sometimes useful to have um, some informal channels where your remote workers can bounce ideas off you that might be a little bit undercooked that need a bit of incubation before they can be um, acted upon. And by having these informal channels alongside your formal channels, then they're going to be more um, open to discussing these kinds of things without the fear of being embarrassed because they're not going to be written down and documented on a wiki or in or in an email somewhere and the other thing that uh, you can consider with your remote workers is ask them for advice even for in circumstances where you think they might not know enough so you might have a situation that's going on in office that's not necessarily visible to your remote workers but you can still ask them about it um, even though they might not be privy to what's going on in office because um, firstly it's developing a good habit it's that habit of asking Uh, your remote workers for advice and for involving them in opportunities to have a voice Um, and they might surprise you right just because they don't know the, the particulars of this particular of this incident they might still have experience and insight and perspectives that are that are valuable when it comes to dealing with this particular thing so just get in the habit of remembering to ask your remote workers for their suggestions and feedback and advice
1: Yeah, good. Uh, Another thing you can do, and uh, you really have to think carefully about how you can make this work for your distributed workers, is actually put them on the front line dealing with customers, uh, dealing with customers and clients. And there's some organizations where uh, everybody in the organization, including the CEO, uh, does some work dealing with customers and clients just so that they know what it's like and what customers are are saying, what they're asking, what their issues are, um, and that filters through the whole organization. So if you can find somewhere of getting your distributed team members the opportunity to to deal with customers, it really helps them understand not just how their role fits within their their team and your team, but also how their role fits into the organisation as a whole, because they do actually see the the, the customer-facing side of the business as well. Um, and it's not always easy. Uh, it's easier in some ways to get your in-person team to deal with customers, um, but on the other hand, if you're if you're dealing with customers uh, online. Uh, and not in person, then you can get your remote team members working working with customers as well. So if you offer, if you have a call center or you have some sort of tech support or you have some kind of way that people are dealing with customers uh, online, which might be as simple as emailing customers, then there's no reason why you can't get your remote workers involved in that as, as well. And again, you don't necessarily put them straight in front of customers without any sort of training but if we've done the things that we've talked about before where you um, give them the opportunity to first observe uh, how customer service people deal with customers and then give them the chance to interact then you can probably do that uh, and still give them a little bit of leeway to make mistakes uh, but they'll still do a pretty good job but the the cost of the mistake is generally going to be much less than the benefit that you're going to get by giving your remote team members the chance to see how their work uh, has a real effect on your your organisation's customers. Um, and – if you can't do that, or you can only do that in a limited way, there are there are opportunities for some remote workers uh, for them to work in office. Uh, so people who are working uh, remotely or working from home or co-working spaces a couple of days a week, uh, on the uh, on the days that they're actually working in the office, proactively look for opportunities to put them in front of real customers, and so that they can interact with them.
0: Yeah, yep, Gihan. And as well as putting them in front of real customers and clients, you can put them in front of their colleagues at work. So the thing to do is to look out for networking events that you can um, send your workers along to, start with events where they're going to be amongst their peers, and then gradually work them up to situations where they're with more senior people. When it comes to networking events where they're interacting with more senior people, uh, you you possibly have to act as chaperone because um, generally at networking events people expect to be amongst peers, but uh, if a more junior person is attending an event where there's more senior people involved, well, they might not be made to feel welcome, they might even be made to feel unwelcome. So if you can do the introductions, uh, then that helps ease, uh, ease everybody into it and um, and then things can progress from there. Now with your remote work in a distributed team, the first thing is to look out for these events. So firstly, you need to look out for events that are going to be local to them or they can keep their eyes open themselves and flag events that are coming up that, uh, that are going to be near them. Uh, and then when it comes to those, those circumstances where, uh, where they need a chaperone, then that's not going to be something that you can take care of personally. So in those circumstances, see if you can find a, cl- a colleague or a client or someone else who can take care of that process of making the introductions when your remote worker is attending an event where there might be more senior people involved for the first time.
1: Yeah, and I think here's an area where LinkedIn can be your friend, and we talked about LinkedIn earlier, Uh, so introduce your remote team members to your LinkedIn connections, but this is one specific example where if you know that you've got a remote team member in a particular location and you're They'd, they'd like to attend a networking event. Look at your LinkedIn connections for people who are in the same area, and you might well find somebody who you're connected to, who would also be interested in attending that event. And then you can connect them up. You can pair them up with your remote worker so they can attend the event together. And it doesn't have to be as an official like chaperone, but it could just be two people attending the event together. And uh, by dint into the fact that they that you that you've got somebody in common, which is you, that they both know, then uh, it forms that initial connection, so when, they, when your remote team member goes to that, to that event, then they feel like they've got an ally, and vice versa. The other person also has somebody that they'd like to, um, that, they, that they know before they attend the event. Yeah, absolutely. Now, another thing you can do, and this is a little bit easier with your distributed team members, is to help give them a voice. So, your organisation probably has some internal publishing platforms. It could be, an, you know, somewhere on the intranet, they might have an internal newsletter. They might have a, a blog. Um, it might be even be the external blog on your website, which is customer-facing. And there are opportunities for you to give all your team members, including your distributed team members, the opportunity to have a voice uh, on those platforms and. Uh, Uh, this is one of those areas where a lot of that work is done remotely it's done by people submitting articles to the marketing communications team and there's no reason why your remote team members can't do it uh, as well except for the fact that maybe you've never asked them so uh, just do ask them ask them and uh, well I suggest you do this for for all your team members but uh, this is one that's very easy for you to do for most of for for your remote team members as well Uh, just make sure that You give them the opportunity to share their voice. And what you're asking them to do is share articles and content from their perspective. So it may be their perspective working within the team, but it may also be their their external expertise and some expertise that may not be related to their current job, but could still be of value to other people in the organization or even outside the organization. The other thing you can do to give them a voice is just to consider how you can give them a bigger voice in your meetings. So if most of your meetings or maybe even all of your meetings are done in person, then it's a little bit difficult for your remote workers. It discriminates against them, even if you have, say, you have a speakerphone on the uh, on the meeting room table, and they can they can log in and participate that way. They're still seen kind of as second class citizens. They don't get the same level of um, involvement as uh, as your in person team members do. Now, there's nothing you can do about that for your in person meetings, and maybe a speakerphone or video conference is the best that you can do for them. But do consider having some of your meetings as purely online meetings so that everybody is kind of on an equal playing field uh, and your remote workers uh, feel like they've got an equal opportunity to attend and participate in those meetings.
0: Yeah, yep, Gihan. Yeah. And so you've given them a voice. You can take things to the next level as well. So there might be team members who are really keen to speak up about something that they're passionate in or that they're passionate about or that they're an expert in. So rather than making use of an existing platform, an existing internal blog or a newsletter, you can actually set up a platform in its own right. That uh, that they own, that they're the authority on, and that they speak from. Uh, So it shifts the focus from someone being a contributor to a newsletter, let's say, to someone having uh, a blog of their own hosted on the the internal on the intranet. Now, this is the kind of thing that's probably going to require a a lot more approval, a a lot a lot more work to get approved than just making uh, one or two contributions to a newsletter, but but the effort is worth it because then you develop the reputation that your team or your organisation is one that fosters thought leadership and, and that helps out everybody. And, again, when it comes to distributed teams and, uh, and remote workers, I mean, everyone, all of your team members will be encouraged to do this, but your remote workers are going to probably um, find this even easier because they're used and adept at, work, at communicating online all the time. So all you have to do is remember to do it and remember to include your remote workers in that.
1: Yes, yeah, and both of these things that we've just talked about, Chris, are about building thought leadership or helping people amplify their thought leadership. So whether you're giving them a voice within the organisation um on the existing platforms or you're giving them their own platforms, what you're doing is valuing their expertise and your remote workers, your distributed team members, quite often have expertise that goes far beyond their job description. And and of course, it's true of your in-person team members as well, but there may be just um, hidden talents that you're not aware of. And if you give them those platforms, then they you might be surprised at just how much they shine. And the, the next thing you can do is to have a look at the existing platforms. And many of your remote workers or distributed team members might be kind of moonlighting um, with their own thought leadership in the and the existing platforms. They might already have a big Facebook following, or a, a blog, or a YouTube channel that's got hundreds of thousands of, of followers, and. There's an opportunity for you to tap into that. Doesn't mean you take it over. Doesn't mean that you ask them to move everything across to your platform and then do it all under the company brand. In fact, it's better if you don't. It's better if they have their own. They continue to have their own brand because they're quite passionate about it. Um, but also, you give them the chance to to bring that in to the to the organization as well. So you might do things like just make sure that uh, if people do have an existing platform, you give them the chance to promote it, um, maybe promote it internally within the team at first, and then bro- more broadly through the organization. Uh, it could be... T- maybe a place on the organization's intranet where you uh, promote that uh, for each of your team members or you ask them to share one of their say one of their YouTube videos internally because it's particularly relevant but make sure you also have a link to that YouTube channel so that people recognize that um, this person has a has a presence outside as well and, and again it's one of these things that uh, is is easy to do and sometimes even easier for your remote team members because they're already competent at doing it. I mean, they are already doing it. So for you to bring that on board, uh, it's kind of like an easy win. It's a win-win because it's easy for you to simply say that you're going to give them permission to, sorry, you're going to um, give them the opportunity to bring their external platform and external expertise uh, into the organization. And you're seen as a leader who's taking advantage of and and, uh, celebrating and amplifying the expertise uh, of your distributed team members yeah, excellent, Gihan. And, and another way that you can bring
0: that expertise and authority into your organisation is through mentorship. Now, your team members might already have mentors, but you can tap into their expertise by inviting them to be mentors as well. And it doesn't just have to be constrained to the traditional um senior person mentoring somebody junior reverse mentorship is very common these days whereby a junior person can mentor someone who's more senior in the organization and this is something that all of your team members can be in can be invited to do um, when it comes to remote workers, it's just, again, a matter of asking and inviting them uh, to, to participate in this opportunity. You might actually be surprised at the kinds of experience and expertise that they can bring to a mentorship relationship. And as we mentioned before, um, this is a circumstance where it might be important for you to be um, involved in the early stages of that relationship. So if you've got, say, someone who's remote mentoring someone who's in office, just be involved in the early stages because you might find the in-office workers a little bit sceptical or even resentful of the remote working concept. So make the initial introductions, set up the relationship, and then uh, let it progress from there. Again, if it's a reverse mentoring situation where someone Junior is mentoring somebody more senior. Then if you're involved in the early stages, then you can help that relationship to be established and go from there. There might be a degree of skepticism or even cynicism from the senior person as to, you know, what's this young? Uh, are going to be able to teach me uh, when, in fact, they probably have significant expertise and experience, particularly with things like technology or um, how to use social media for marketing, how to use it effectively and responsibly. These are all the kinds of things uh, more junior people are quite adept at and can teach more senior people a lot about.
1: Yes, and uh, in addition to their expertise, the other thing that your team members have, uh, remote and in-person, is they have networks, and their networks might be very different from yours, um, especially now that they also have uh, online networks. And I reckon if you look around, if you look at all your team members and you compare them to, um, and you look at their networks and compare them to the networks of you, you, your colleagues and your peers, you probably find there's a lot more overlap in your peers' networks than in your team members' network simply because there might be different generations, they're in a different stage of their career, they are interested in different things, and that's a good thing. So if you, for example, ask your peers and your colleagues whether they know somebody who can do something for you, um, there's there's a chance it might. They might know somebody, but also there's a chance that the people they would recommend are the people you know already. Whereas if you ask the people in your um, in your team, especially remote workers, uh, for the if you ask them exactly the same question, chances are they're going to give back to you names of people who you would never have connected with otherwise, simply because their their networks are different from yours. Um, I found this recently, Chris, with uh, Emma, who's my new uh, PA, my new business manager. Yep. So Emma has got a lot of skills and expertise. Um, in in her career that I have just had no exposure to and the networks that she's got um, are very valuable to me as well. So, you know, I've done quite a bit of outsourcing, but Emma has, uh, has, has as well. And she's got people who worked Uh, who run outsourcing companies in the Philippines, whereas I would have to go and find an outsourcing company in the Philippines. So immediately she's got access to that network, which otherwise I would have had to uh, kind of foster that relationship. Um, Similarly with working with them, she's done, she's run events. So she's worked with catering and event managers and conference organizers and all those sort of people that I've had no experience with. And, uh, Yeah, her networks aren't necessarily um, bigger or better than mine. They're just different, and that's really valuable. And uh, this is especially important when you've got remote workers, because um, just by the fact that they're remote and they're working from, they've they've got their very different networks because they're working from a very different place than you are. So tap into their networks, because you'll probably find that uh, they've got some really valuable connections in there that you don't otherwise have access to. Very
0: good. Yeah. So something that's particularly important these days for workers is work that is meaningful so keep an eye out for the kinds of things that people in your team expressed an interest or even a passion in doing even not especially non-related non-work related things and think of ways that you can support and provide resources for that some organizations put real money into the, the uh, efforts, the volunteering that their workers do for not-for-profits, they make community work an integral part of employees' roles and even tie it to their salaries. So while you might not have the authority to put real money into these sorts of things, you can nevertheless provide support in terms of giving time to your, to your team members to pursue these kinds of things, and there might be other resources within your control that you can use to support those kinds of efforts. And it doesn't really matter what you choose. Uh, it, it's just important to do that. You need to think of it as an investment rather than an expense because it's the kind of thing that really motivates your team members to get their regular work done. And you may well come up with creative ways of linking their their day-to-day work with the community work and their passion projects. So when it comes to your remote workers, uh, this is a really strong motivator for them. It may even be the very reason that they've chosen a remote work style. So as we've said before, find out, keep an eye out for and find out, for, find out by asking them what are the things that they're passionate and interested in, because these are the sorts of things that they're probably going to value um, above the typical in-office perks that people might get, things like pay rises, promotions and parties, the, the passion projects and the things that people are interested in are really strong motivators to get their work done.
1: Yep, yeah, great. And I think a final piece of advice is to don't take on uh, all of this as a burden for yourself. Don't assume that only you, as a leader and manager, should be thinking about these sort of things. So, empower the connectors in your team. Um, you may well find that some of your team members, and they may in fact be your your remote workers, would love to be involved in this. That they would be the ones who are they're always on Facebook, and that they're they're the ones who will happily set up a mastermind group or connect people on LinkedIn or um, up the, the mentoring and reverse mentoring within the team if you give them the chance to do it and particularly for your remote workers um, the the main role that you would play there is to make sure that they have the platform and the environment to do that so if if all they have is the ability to send stuff back and forth via email and through file transfer when they do when they complete their tasks then they actually even if they wanted to be more involved in a Community feel of the team they can't do it, but if you provide that online facility for people to for everyone in the team to connect and share their ideas and their talents, then you may find that um, some of your team members, including your remote team members, would happily volunteer to take on some of the things that we've talked about here and may, they may not even just volunteer for the things that we've talked about they may have their own ideas as well, provided that use that you create that in the environment the the collaboration tools and give them permission to do it. Excellent. Very good gear
0: Hans. So, let's wrap things up, shall we? Yeah, great. So something that's been common to these suggestions and the earlier sections of uh, of this series has been remembering to include our remote workers in these opportunities. So it might make more take more effort on your part, or it might need to be done differently. But nevertheless, think of it as an investment in your team that's going to return benefits to your remote workers, to you, and to the rest of your team and organisation. So it's simply about developing that habit of including and offering opportunities like these to your remote workers.
1: Yes, and I think the common thread through everything we've talked about, when we're talking about building good judgment and uh, as a result, um, building wisdom in your team members is, yeah, it takes time, but it's time that's well spent because everybody gains as a result of it. And actually, you get the gains pretty quickly. You have to be proactive about some of the putting into place some of the activities and the ideas we've talked about. But it doesn't have to come at the expense of your performance and your productivity, because it most of the things we've talked about don't actually take a lot of time away from what people are already doing. It just means that you're proactively thinking about it. It and it very quickly um, has a positive return on investment because your team members are making, they're making smarter decisions. They're making wiser decisions. Your remote team members feel more involved in the uh, overall operation of the team. They can make more independent decisions and uh, you can trust them more. So it takes away some of your time in supervising and managing them. So they, they automatically feel motivated and engaged. Um, and the way you do this is going to vary depending on who's in your team and uh, what level they're at uh, at the moment. So everything we've talked about in building judgment applies to your in-person team members as much as it does to your remote team members. Um, But just, as we said all all along, be more proactive with your remote team members because they don't always have the natural opportunities for for them to build their judgment. So, you know, you look at each of your remote team members and look at what they need so that you can um, help build their judgment. And uh, I, I remember many, many years ago, one of my very first bosses, um, he did something that really showed that he trusted my judgment. Um, And we were working on a project uh, where uh, I was a fairly junior software developer uh, in the company. But as it turned out, my boss was away on another project and his boss was away uh, on leave. And so the general manager came to me and asked me whether I could investigate something for a client. Uh, I did. I wrote him a memo because this is in the days of paper memos and, uh, and trays. I put it in his intray and, uh, he called me into his office and, uh, he said, Oh, look, here's, you've written this report about what. What the situation is and what we need to do. Can you take off the dear Danny at the top? His name was Danny. He said, can you remove the dear Danny, put the client's name and I'll sign it and I'll send it on my behalf. I'll send it as if it came from me. Um, And I was really surprised because here I was a really junior person, but he said, look, your judgment is the most appropriate and I trust your judgment. And so I always think whenever I have somebody on my team, um, can I say, I trust your judgment? So when I work with Emma, can I say, Emma, I trust your judgment on this? And if I can't, then what do I need to do to be able to get to the point where I can say, Emma, I trust your judgment. Go ahead and do it. And I reckon that's a pretty good guiding principle.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Gihan. So that wraps up part three. And if you haven't listened to parts one and part two two as yet, then you can go to talenteverywhere.com.au and there you'll find a link to our blog. And on the blog, we have entries for each of our podcasts. So you can catch up with parts one and part two there. If you want to leave a comment or get in touch, then you can use the blog as well. You can just put a, uh, a comment in any of the entries and we'll get back to you. So it remains for me to thank you, Gihan, for your time and conversation today and as always, and we'll be back soon with another episode. Um, Until then,
1: take care. Thanks, Chris. Bye for now. For show notes, past episodes and more, visit talenteverywhere.com.au. And remember, great minds don't think alike.